this lawsuit, this involves alleged abuse that took place in 2018 between two campers, but uh, according to the victim, she says that the camp allegedly covered it up, and one of the people involved was Rabbi Ethan Linden, who is the director of Camper Ma Berkshires. According to the victim, she says that... That's the sound of a recent TikTok video made by the Zaka organization. They're based in the United States, and they help survivors of childhood sexual abuse in the Orthodox Jewish community, including in Canada and in Israel. But the case they're talking about involves a popular Jewish summer camp, Camp Ramah, in the Berkshires, which is now facing a lawsuit after an alleged cover-up by the rabbi who was the camp's director of a sexual assault that happened to a girl camper in her bunk. You may have read or heard the CJN Daily's episode earlier this week where a Toronto musician, Lori Wolf, went public with her own experience of being assaulted by an Orthodox family friend who was also a doctor, dating back to when she was 17. The matter was handled by a rabbinical court, not the police, and it took her years until she went to the police herself to get justice. Her abuser then fled the country to Israel right in the middle of the trial and the Ontario government dropped the case. The Zaka organization says they know all too well why victims of sexual abuse inside the Haredi community stay silent for so long. Because going to the police is still frowned upon, and doing it can ruin the victim's life too, and their standing in the Frum community. There are thousands of Chaim Walders around, not necessarily operating at that scale, but in families, in shuls, in yeshivas. Um, there are sexual abusers that still operate with impunity because they know the, the community is going to allow them to get, to get away with it. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, May the 18th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Zaka recently posted a news story on its TikTok and Facebook accounts about the arrest of an elderly Canadian rabbi charged with sex crimes against a minor. The crimes date back 25 years, and the case is being handled out of Quebec's Justice Department, but there is a publication ban on the complainant's name, so we can't reveal too many details yet, except that the accused was an educator years ago in Montreal's ultra-Orthodox community, but sources say after allegations of sex crimes against him made their way to the city's rabbinical authorities, or Beit Din, the suspect was told to leave the country for Israel, where he worked as an unlicensed tutor and family counselor. The complainant, who is now an adult, came forward to police saying she was molested when she was seven. Coming up, we'll hear from the Zaka team and why they're hoping the sex abuse case of the Israeli children's author Rabbi Chaim Walder will spark more people to come forward about what they call a systemic problem inside the Orthodox world. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Erwin Kotler here in Jerusalem, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. A Canadian playwright has won a top Israeli prize for his contribution to the country's culture. Former Winnipegger Gordon Wiseman, who now goes by Gabriel Emanuel and lives in Israel, was awarded the Prime Minister's Prize for his one-man play about Menachem Begin, the country's sixth prime minister. The play has been performed around Israel and in other countries since his debut in 2013. Wiseman picked up his award from Prime Minister Naftali Bennett at a ceremony last week in Jerusalem at the residence of Israel's president, Isaac Herzog, who was also there. Wiseman comes from a well-known artistic family. One brother's a screenwriter and two others are musicians, including Bob Wiseman, who was one of the founders of Blue Rodeo. 
And now stay tuned for this message. From award-winning journalist Marsha Lederman comes Kiss the Red Stairs, a compelling memoir of Holocaust survival, intergenerational trauma, divorce, and discovery that will guide readers through several lifetimes of monumental change. Marsha was five when a simple question led to a horrifying answer. She asked her mother why she didn't have any grandparents. Her mother told her the truth, the Holocaust. Decades later, her parents dead and herself a mother to a young son, Marsha begins to wonder how much history has shaped her own life. Reeling in the wake of a divorce, she craves her parents' help. But in their absence, she is gripped by a need to understand the trauma they suffered, and she begins her own journey into the past to tell her family stories of loss and resilience. Kiss the Red Stairs, available now wherever books are sold. And joining me now are Usher Lowy, the director of Zaka, and Ariel Kay, who's a liaison between lawyers and survivors, and she also runs the TikTok channel. We contacted you because of a case in Toronto where uh, a survivor came forward after many years and went public with her ordeal, taking it through first the Jewish community, then the police, then the College of Physicians and Surgeons in Ontario. But that is a very unusual outcome, is it not? It's not, it's not the, re- the norm if, in your experience, right, uh, Asher? What have you, what's the norm in this, in this situation when, when a crime like this happens? So in, 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 in the Orthodox world, uh, most, most of these tend not to get reported in the first place. Unfortunately, most of the time it's, it's, uh, it's covered up, um, especially since reporting generally is, is, is considered forbidden by, the, by rabbis and community leaders. I go to Israel, for, for example, in the U.S. has a stated policy that you have to ask a rabbi uh, before reporting sexual abuse to police. And there's, um, there have been cases where people have gone through that process and asked the rabbi for permission to report, have reported, um, and then have received the backlash anyway, despite having followed all the rules. Um, so it, it's not, it's, it's unfortunately not typical that survivors will come forward, let alone to, to any law enforcement agencies. Let's break that down a little bit. What are the consequences and ramifications to a person who does report this in the community? So often someone who comes forward in the, the Hasidic world or the yeshivish world, the Haredi world generally, um, can face uh, a number of different types of backlash. So we've seen people who, uh, whose children have been expelled from, from schools in their area. Uh, there's one case that we're dealing with now, actually, where a woman is suing her, her abuser, who's a rabbi in her in, in her area. And he called up all the schools in, in the area and told them to expel her children and then not accept them. The rest of the schools were told not to accept them. So they now have to move, uh, move away from where they are to get their kids into schools because of this. There are people who have been employed uh, by, by businesses uh, in the, the community who find themselves fired due to pressure on their employers. Um, people who have uh, housing from 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 community landlords uh, find themselves um, 
evicted or their leases are 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 not renewed um so so there are you know and 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 those are the the material consequences but there are also other consequences as well there are people who face extreme ostracism um they'll face backlash when they walk into shul um they'll no longer get any honors they won't get alias they, they'll they'll be considered the pariah by 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 everybody around them because they dared to report they're considered a miser and informer and considered you know as if they're forfeit is that against halacha or is that against omerta hmm. so uh so they'll claim that that it's against halacha uh that that's not actually true uh the halachas of misira don't apply in 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 this case for a host of reasons but most notably because sexual abuse is pikuach nefesh hands down um we know what the effects on survivors of sexual abuse are. Uh, we know that they suffer from an increase uh, in in eating disorders, in depression, suicidal ideation, um, in uh, you know, and 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 uh, and that that itself justifies the reporting to police. Um, there are also c- concerns that get raised about Lashon Hara, you know, that, that we, we can talk about uh, what's going on because it's Lashon Hara to talk about somebody else in this way. Uh, and, you know, our answer to that when we get those questions is, you know, the Chavetz Chaim and Shmir Halashon says very clearly that, um, that if there's a public benefit to, uh, to talking Lashon Hara about somebody, then you're allowed to. Uh, and there is no bigger public benefit than uh, warning the community and parents about a sexual abuser in their midst and making sure that they're brought to justice so that they can continue abusing children. Now, we've heard a lot in the last, I say, six months when uh, the rabbi, who was the children's author in Israel, Chaim Valder, right, was accused and then he hung himself or shot himself, I think. Um, what impact has that, if any, had on opening things up or or not the the walter case was a big flashpoint uh it was a vehicle for discussion uh among people who hadn't necessarily ne- needed to confront the issue of sexual abuse before in that sense there has been change there's a broader awareness of the problem um but what we've seen and this is not just uh with respect to the walter case but it's also with respect to change around sexual abuse in general over the last decade is there's been much more change at the bottom than there has been at the top. So at the bottom, there's an increased awareness of the problem of sexual abuse. There's an increased comfort in people talking about it. Um, there are increased uh, peer resources kind of available. There are even therapists who are a little more aware. There's a little bit, there's like a growing awareness that something's wrong with the way we've been handling sexual abuse and that something needs to be done about it. Unfortunately, not much has changed at the tops um, and survivors can't expect that they'll receive any kind of, of, of support from their rabbis, let's say, from their, the community members, let's say. Um, you know, it, it's still something that's considered sh- shameful. It's still something that counts against you for, for your marriage prospects, you know. So in that sense, not much has changed. There are a lot of people who are very happy to burn Walder's books, but they're kind of using this as an opportunity to, to release their, their frustration about this one case rather than seeing it as the systemic issue that it is. It's not just about Chaim Walder. Fundamentally, there is no support for, for the idea of survivors coming forward and, and reporting. And that's the most important thing because with, without accountability, there's never going to be any change on this issue. I want to bring in uh, 
Ariella now, you're specifically dealing with one case. We can't, uh, there is a publication ban on the um, complainant's name in the case. So maybe speak to me about what you're seeing. Yeah, I mean, it, isolation um, is, and alienation are very, very big tactics in the Jewish world. Um, they are, uh, they're things that, that they don't, they, it doesn't really seem to matter how, how educated or how supportive or even how religious the victim may be. Um, sometimes, you know, some people will say, oh, well, this is just like an issue in like the Haredi community, or, you know, this is only something that you see in the, the Hasidic community. Um, but it's not, this is something that we see even in the modern Orthodox communities. Um, and, um, it's, uh, it's also something that we see like on, especially like on Shabbat or Yom Tov, um, a lot of these holidays, a lot of Jewish themery are very triggering for survivors because a lot of their abusers would unfortunately weaponize Judaism, um, uh, in order to further the abuse. And, um, what does that look like? What does that mean? It means, you know, things like, um, for example, there's one, there's one survivor in particular where, um, she can't Friday nights, she can't keep Shabbos, um, because on Friday nights, that's when her grandfather would molest her and she would sleep over at her grandparents' house for Shabbat. Her, she would help with her grandmother. It was almost like a ritual, right? She would help her grandmother with the chicken soup. And then, you know, when there was some quiet time, her grandfather would take her to the side and molest her. Unfortunately, these cases just repeat themselves over and over again. Um, but I mean, that that's what happens. And it's unfortunate. Um, and many people don't realize that. And um, people don't realize the uh, the level of mental anguish that these people are under um, and how it continues even well into someone's, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you name it. A lot, I think a, what happens a lot of times is that there's a lot of uh, travel for these people. So like, for example, you'll hear about a case in Canada, but then it'll either they'll run to Israel or they'll run to the United States. Um, and, uh, and I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's more of those. So yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of, and because, and because there's no, unless, unless there's a, unless the, they're considered a flight risk or their passport is, is ceased. I don't think the border patrol at any of these countries is going to stop these people from entering if they try to run. Why does Israel give safe haven? Uh, there was a, sp- a special, I think, on Khan, uh, where they profiled uh, a number of sexual abusers who had fled to Israel. Um, uh, there was, but 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 recently, thankfully, it's been changing. Um, there was after the Malka Leifer case, there was a, uh, a another case. Uh, a guy by the name of Gershom Kranzer had sexually abused a number of his relatives, and um, he had fled to Israel after an arrest warrant was issued in Brooklyn. Uh, someone tipped him off and his wife drove him to the airport and he was there until 2019. Um, it was thanks to the work of Shana Aronson working with the Jewish agency that, that, that got him. They're much more amenable now. So talk about, let's talk about the Beit Din, which are the sort of first line of where people are supposed to go. So the, the uh, it's the Rabbanim, it's the, Rosh Yeshiva, it's the the Rebbe's, the you know the. I would even argue it's the from. Them. I would even argue that it's the from psychologists. Yeah, there, there's this basically this attitude that uh, that was actually very apparent in the response to Chaim Walter. That's a very good example of 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 of, of this of the bottom and the top kind of disagreeing with each other in response. 
the outrage that we saw around Chaim Walder uh, was tremendous. You know, the fact that there were book burnings in the street, however people feel about book burnings, was a significant thing, that, that, that this was something done not from the leadership. It would, leadership didn't tell people to do this. They told people to stop reading the books. They didn't tell them to burn it. This was people's expressing their, their, their frustration and rage at a problem that had been festering for decades that had gone un, unaddressed. And the response from the top in the, the Haredi world, and even to some extent in the right-wing modern Orthodox world, was to publish articles in, in outlets like, like Mishbacha magazine and Ami magazine, um, saying, you know, yeah, the, the, this is a really big problem that we have to take seriously. The solution is to set up specific Bate Din to address the problem of sexual abuse. But I'll tell you what, Bate Din, fundamentally, maybe the BDA is, le- is better than, than, than others, but Bate Din are generally corrupt. People should assume that they're corrupt. And, uh, and more to the point, the most honest based in has no power to enforce any of their rulings in cases of sexual abuse. They're not qualified to, to investigate it. They have no business dealing, dealing with it. So you uh, posted recently on the Facebook page of your organization, a pledge that was signed by 200 rabbis in 2015, uh, urging their community members to go to the police. Um, so that was a big thing. There were five or six Canadian rabbis who signed it. Um, since then, what's happened with that pledge? What's happened with more rabbis signing on? Tell me about that. So one one important thing about that, it was important when it came out in 2015. It's important. So it was republished recently uh, on in the Pesach edition uh, of Mishpacha magazine with uh, updated with more signatures. Um, but one important thing to note about that petition um, and the rabbis who signed it is that there are a lot of them on there who don't actually abide by what they said. There are rabbis on that list who absolutely cover up abuse. The reason we posted it anyway, knowing that that the list is full of people who cover up abuse and occasionally abuse people is is because if it, it to anybody that that matters to, um, the, that list is important, meaning if someone if if it will make a difference seeing that 200 rabbis around the world, uh, Orthodox rabbis around the world say to go to the police, if that will make a difference, then, you know, if it stops even one abuser, then 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 that's worth it. If you need to reach Zaka for help, the link is in our show notes. They also run a hotline on Sabbath and Jewish holidays for victims of sexual and domestic abuse. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Joel Zelikovitz of Toronto. If you like the CJN Daily and what we've been doing, please tell a friend or a relative about us and send them a link. And we'll end with a sneak peek at an upcoming episode. The Sephardi Voices Project is telling the unknown story of the expulsion of a million Jews from Arab lands after 1948. Canadian media executive Richard Sturzberg is behind the new book and the exhibit soon to be launched at the Library and Archives Canada in Ottawa. Now, this story is not very well known. Uh, Everybody seems to be a little bit surprised to hear that this actually happened. People know about the displacement of the Palestinians by the Israelis, but they don't know the parallel story about the displacement 
of the Jews uh, by the Arabs. This episode has been brought to you by Looking Back, Moving Forward, 160 Years of Jewish Life in B.C. Published by the Jewish Museum and Archives of British Columbia for their 50th anniversary, this elegant volume is a once-in-a-generation collection of Jewish life and history throughout the province. Order your copy today at jewishmuseum.ca.